Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the latest release from Best Jacket Press. Uh, we talked about the first issue. Now we're here to talk about the second issue of Clear, which is from writer Scott Snyder. We've got uh, Francis Manipole on art. And, uh, you know, a very, very different feel, at least I felt like, than the, than the first issue. Uh, uh, and I guess I should mention and world design does the letters. Uh, and when I say Francis Manipole's on the art, you know, he's doing the line work and the, and the colors. So, um, yeah, still enjoying this series. Thought it was pretty solid overall. It didn't, the second issue didn't quite blow me away as much as the first issue did, but I feel like that's because the next issue is going to really knock our socks off there. It was a kind of a bit of setup in this second issue. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit more what I mean by that in a second, but I want to get Rocky's initial uh, impressions of this second issue. What'd you think, Rocky? <clears throat> well, I liked it because I, it, it, it sort of, uh, the first issue sort of gave us the, the general concept of, uh, and the premise of the story, this idea, I mean, clear sort of referring to this, this veil, this, this, I guess this, uh, uh, the way that everyone's connected to the internet and, Everyone has a veil that they can literally, they can see, they can live out their fantasy. When they, when people look at the world, they can see whatever the world they want through, I guess, through the internet, through high tech. And literally your world is exactly what you want it to be through these different veils. And there was a lot of uh, references in the first issue about what the history was, history of the veil was, and it sort of alluded to it. It introduced us to this character, Dunez and his and his uh, wife, who uh, his wife Kendra McHale, who works for these the Department of Connectivity, and her job is to ensure that people are able to connect adequately to the internet in their minds uh, through the high tech, and it's the DOC that she works for, and she ultimately she ends up getting uh, she loses her life she she ends up being murdered in the first issue, and so. Uh, it's suspicious uh, the the circumstances of her murder and her her husband Dunez here is is investigating it. This issue is good because it gives us some background. I I like that we learn more about something called the Red War, which is something that preceded the the advent of the of the veil, and the Red War was essentially World War Three. Although uh, America lost World War Three, apparently uh, China invaded, and apparently China and Russia had better tech than the U.S. And following following World War Three, even though the Americans don't call it that, uh, that's when the veil sort of took over the uh, gained popularity all over the globe, and particularly in the United States. Even though the the U.S. is one of the last holdouts to really embrace the veil, this new technology that sort of creates fantasy worlds for people who em embrace it, and and just the, how the entire culture has sort of become subsumed by the power of the veil. And this issue, what I like about this is that it moves the story forward in a way where Dunez, he talks about his own history. He was a soldier in the Red War. He got injured. He had a head injury. And that's how he met his wife, uh, Kendra McHale, who was a nurse who works with head injury patients, apparently. Because when you... I, I get the impression that Dunez 
because of his head injury, it impaired his ability to fully connect with a veil, like with the with the high tech. And that might be something that maybe gives him an edge in this particular story. At least that's maybe the impression I got. But in any event, I found it interesting that he met his wife, who was a nurse who helped she helped nurse him back to health. They fell in love and and ultimately, uh well, that's that's their background. That's the past. Flash forward now, she's murdered. He's investigating her murder. He ends up going to this the Department of Connectivity. He talks to the director of the of the DOC, this director union, and this director sort of tells him, you know, shows him a number of things, and in particular, he shows him this great big beautiful massive tree. And we get some more clues about this this veil, how it works, and that the older the older something is, like for example, this old tree, this 250-year-old tree that's the centerpiece of this great big huge corporate building of the DOC, it's it's the it's one of the only thing that's real. It's harder to cloak or to create an illusion uh, around something that is old and 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 actually real. It's harder to cloak and and create a veil around those things. And but one of the things that Dunez's wife was very passionate about was keeping the distinction between fantasy and reality there. And the, the good thing about these older, the older something is, the easier it is for these things, the easier it is for people outside observers to distinguish between, okay, this is fantasy and this is real. This is what I'm seeing in the veil and this is actual reality. And of course, you can imagine that obviously knowing what those distinctions are are very important. And that's what the Department of Connectivity, the DOC, helps to establish. And Director Union knows that Kendra, Adunez's uh, now deceased wife, she was really passionate about that and keeping those distinctions there. And it's the, uh, clearly, uh, the, the the metaphor here is, I mean, again, I mean, we, we talked earlier when we talked about, when we talked about We Are Demons, uh, Snyder, Scott, writer Scott Snyder here is just excellent at dealing with the metaphor here. And again, the metaphors are nothing new and the themes are nothing new, but the way that he approaches them is just, you know, wonderfully, uh, in my view, wonderfully fresh, not necessarily unique. We've gotten these sort of takes on reality before. Like, I guess you could say this is almost like the, almost like matrixy in some kind of way. But I really like the themes here. The idea that, that the distinction between fantasy and reality and the idea of a shared veil and Shared veils can create massive hallucinations where there's mass suicides. And so shared veils, that is illusions that affect more than just one individual. They're outlawed and they're outlawed for very good reason. And this leads the lead character here, Dunez, on uh, on an investigation to try to find out what went on. And he ends up confronting a gang called 1518, uh, which is named after the uh, which is named, 1518 was a year where there was a dancing plague that was the first recorded uh, mass, sort of mass uh, illusion in history that led to a, a, led to a, a bunch of massive death because they, people had a, a sort of a mass hallucination. And so this 1518 gang is something that might know something about uh, Kendra McHale's death. And... Um, I really like this. You know, it's he's he's clearly he's he's he feels distraught. I like the characterization. He's upset. He's his Kendra left him something. She left him uh, some clues about a yellow yellow-eyed man uh and she she kept some notes and he's not really sure how to make sense of all of it. But Scott Snyder here is building a mystery 
And whether or not this mystery is going to pay dividends is how we're you know we'll have to see how this plays out because a good mystery is one where a writer gives us clues and a mystery is possible. And as long as this mystery is capable of being solved without us being told what it is, even though it will be revealed at the end, the best mysteries are the ones where we, the readers, are giving enough clues that we could piece it together if we have to. And I like that Snyder so far here seems to be giving us a lot of clues both in the narratives and in the interplay between the characters. And we're just at the end of issue two. So uh, this issue this issue ends with uh, a, a, another cliffhanger like the first one did. And I really enjoyed this and I, I love the themes and I'd really be interested to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think maybe maybe part of the reason I didn't enjoy this issue quite as much as I did the first issue was it's a little depressing, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> yeah, um, it is true. In, yeah. in, in the, very well, maybe maybe purposeful. You know, I'm not uh, I'm I'm not thinking in terms of oh oh well the U.S. would never you know lose the Red War or anything like that 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 is that actually reads very realistic to me. Um, this idea of a red war where we're so arrogant in our assumptions of who we are as, you know, as a country and as a people that we're actually excited, sort of excited. It's, it, it's hinted by dunes that uh, it's unspoken, but we're actually excited after all these years of, of infighting, fighting each other in the U S to, to have a common enemy and focus that sort of vitriol outward. Uh, but again, here comes that sort of patented, uh, U.S. arrogance <laughs> yeah. makes us think we're so much better than everybody else. Which you know, you have a unique perspective, uh, Rocky, because you know you're, you're what are we are, are called our, our friendly neighbor up there in Canada, but you're still you're not American, so you're kind of you know what I'm talking about. When yes, we Canadians always joke that Americans, you start the wars and then you leave, and then we send our peacekeepers in to clean up the mess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So. So that that reads very uh, as much as it's depressing. It does read very realistic that we would you know fire these weapons and come to find out most of the components of these weapons you know they're all smart weapons these days are they're all made in China or Eastern Europe and of, of course they sabotage them right and the the weapons the missiles the bombs and what have you turn around and come back on on our own forces and so you know tail between our legs making excuses oh. It wasn't a world war. We'll just call it the Red War. You know, everybody <laughs> else calls it a world war, and and we'll we'll go home, tail between our legs, and and we won't admit that we lost. We'll just say, uh, you know, we didn't have as many allies as we used to. We really needed to focus on us. We needed to focus on on the U.S. itself and not be a part of this war. When in reality, you know, we got our we got our butts kicked. So it gives a lot of context to sort of the the downfall of of the U S and, and how sort of the reality of losing that war would reflect on us. Like look at the, the chaos and, and, um, the fallout from Vietnam, you know, we're to some extent still, still dealing with that, with that loss. And it, it's in my mind has fed into other wars that we shouldn't have got involved in, especially the invading of Iraq in the early two thousands, Afghanistan, which we, you know, were, it wasn't necessarily called a war, but we were an occupying force there for, for decades. Um, you know, war is not, it's not like it was, but I, I think still in this country, war is to some extent romanticized. I mean, we call the, uh, the generation of young men that fought in world war two, 
well, and women as well that contributed. We call that the greatest generation, right? So there's there's this idea of, of heroism and be, becoming a part of something bigger than yourself. You know, that connectivity that we talked about um, with We Have Demons, uh, issue number two, the, that review that, uh, I'm sorry, it didn't come out uh, same week it came, uh, the book came out, but uh, go and check it out because it's, we talk a little, uh, a lot about connectivity and how all that matters. But I think that that idea of, of connectivity being part of something bigger than yourself, it's a, for the most part, it's a positive thing, but when everybody feels like they're part of something else and what they're a part of, isn't actually based in reality, that's where things can start to go sideways. You know, when you start talking about things like mass delusions and it's, it's mentioned here, I love that Snyder brought it up, the, the dancing virus of, of 1518, which they're still, you know, back then they didn't have the, the sort of science and technology we have now. So nobody quite knows what happened. The speculation is it was some sort of um, like food poisoning, like maybe because it affected a lot of people in one area. So maybe there was some sort of fungus or something that got into some food and everybody ate that food. They were having these hallucinations. They were dancing. Um, we're not even sure how many people it killed and, and whatnot, but it's, it's on record as being this just abnormal event, right? But when you talk about where we are in the world right now, uh, I find it very interesting to think about the idea of connectivity or um, the the greatness of war, the romantic, uh, romanticization of war. You want to be a part of that and, and how that, when you look at it now, in context of the real world, are we fooling ourselves? I, I think there is a, a little bit of that. There's a little bit of... You know, obviously the story clear is set in, in the future of the U.S., but there's a little bit of that idea, at least the way I look at reality right now or this country. People have their heads in the sand. Yeah. People are in some ways experiencing a mass delusion um, because they want to believe that we're better than we are or, or um, things in this country aren't as bad as they might seem. Uh, so I, I do I find it extremely fascinating, this idea of the the shared veil versus, you know, everybody's supposed to look at the world individually with their own veil, whatever they choose, but shared veils are outlawed. Um, Cause I think you can sort of look at some of the things that are happening in our reality right now with the, this belief in QAnon and whatnot that, and these people in a lot of ways are sharing uh, an altered reality, you know, despite the fact they're, as far as we know, Maybe it's a giant conspiracy I'm not a part of. But as far as I know, none of these Q people have their brains actively connected to the internet and they're not seeing something that I'm not, right? Supposedly they're seeing the world in the same way that I am and experience it in the same way I am, but yet they're coming up with a vastly different experience and reason behind things, whatever. So despite the fact that this story is in the future, I find it to be super relevant to what's going on today which isn't, I suppose, the best because I don't really feel like we're in the best situation and not just this country, but the world uh, overall. Yeah. So maybe that's where I felt like, man, a little bit of a bummer in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, so again, I know that's what I'm bringing to it and that's how I'm interpreting it. So I don't want to make it seem like uh, Scott Snyder and Francis Manipal uh, created a bad comic here at all. In fact, it's the exact opposite. I think this is masterfully done. It's a 
technically a very well done comic. Um, I think that was intentional too, though. I think the way that you, yeah, yeah, you feel very, about yeah. it, I think was intentional. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, I like, I like this comic because it makes me think that it's not all roses and happy go lucky. I mean, there is a consequence when people have massive, when people think stupid things in groups, dumb things happen, terrible <laughs> things happen. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, look, I mean, mass delusions, uh, the mob mentality. I mean, whether it's a mob mentality or a shared veil, it's really the same, same crap, different pile. And, and this is, and it just goes, to show you whether it's a low-tech society or a high-tech society even in a in a high-tech computerized society we can get into the danger of groupthink and uh it's a terrible thing and it, it doesn't escape us and it's sad here that this is this tells the story of a of an entire society that we're very close to frankly where we all like to escape our world on social media we can escape it on youtube we can escape it on instagram we can escape escape and, but then we also have those people outside of it who group think. And so we actually have the worst of both worlds if you really want to get depressing about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, that's true. But yet in the first issue, there, there was something about it where it felt like there was some balance. And I don't even know if I can necessarily put my finger on what it was. And it, it, it might have just been because it was something brand new. You know what I mean? Like it was a new series. And I was the one bringing the excitement because when I, because I was thinking about what I wanted to say when we were planning on doing this review, I was like, man, you know, this, the second issue is really dark. It, it does introduce some interesting concept. It moves the story along. It introduces this idea of, of active conspiracies that, uh, that Dunes is going to have to unravel. You know, it, it puts it much more at the forefront, this whole detective part of the story. So what 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 is it about this this particular issue where I feel that it's so much darker than the first? Like what? And then flipping that around, going okay, what wasn't dark about the first issue? Because when I think back and I flip through the first issue again, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty dark too. There's not there's not a lot of hope, uh, you know, as we're sort of getting the story through Dune's eyes, especially after he finds out that his beloved yeah. ex wife died. Um, so I don't know. I best again I. I'll take that on myself as I was bringing some excitement that must have kind of colored my outlook on that, that first issue. Um, Cause it, yeah, I, the first issue is just, it's very bleak as well in terms of, of where the, the story's going. Um, because it's not like when dunes goes to find out, he goes to the DOC, like Rocky was saying, goes to find out information about his wife. Um, you know, he goes in disguise. He doesn't tell uh, the director who he actually is and when and despite the fact that he sort of lives in this world of veils uh, you know a lot of what he does has to do with veils and whatnot um, with spouses cheating on each other and and all that kind of stuff despite the fact he keeps his setting on clear um, but yet he seems sort of surprised by the information he gets from the director you know when the director's talking about making sure that everybody stays sort of jacked in isn't the only thing that the DOC does. You know, there's another sort of mandate and, and that's when he shows them that area that has that tree. And he talks about, you know, what do you see down here in this park where we have this tree? And Dunes talks about the, the, the empty spaces and the director goes on to say that, yeah, it, our other job at the DOC is to make sure there's cl clear lines between what is real and what is not. But based on what happens later in this, the 
issue where dunes is confronted in that park by somebody who looks or not dunes rather but uh director union later in the issue is con he's down in that park by the tree and he's confronted by somebody wearing his face the union is facing himself and as he's looking that person uh their the way their appearance shifts to look like george washington and they kill union because they're worried or they make the assumption that director union had told doing something that he shouldn't have isn't so, and what's that what's the symbology there because didn't isn't there a story about george washington when he was younger cutting being lying and cutting down a tree or something yeah, I think so that, 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 that image... yeah supposedly there's an urban legend where george washington and i don't know that it was ever made clear why he did this but yeah he cut down a cherry tree in his own yard with an axe and his father comes and asks him did you cut down this cherry tree? And he admits it. He says, Father, I cannot tell a lie. Yeah. Yes, I did. Which, And supposedly it speaks to, you know, taking responsibility. It always yeah. sounded like such a dumb story to me. Like, why would you? That's hard work. Why is some random kid just <laughs> going to cut down a cherry tree for the heck of it? Hey, hey, great. You admitted you did something wrong. Yeah. Um, but but you know, it's interesting. It's interesting that that's that symbol here is used because it's right under the tree. That yeah. and yeah. and it's George Washington, you know. Yeah. It's I, I I'm sure that I'm I can't help but think that must be intentional use of that image on this part of Snyder. But, well, and and he even says because again the the supposedly the the legendary line, "Father, I cannot tell a lie," and when the director says, "No, I didn't tell Dunes anything," you know that I wasn't supposed to. So immediately start thinking, okay, so it was despite director Union telling Dunes. Yeah, our our mission here is to make sure people can tell uh, the real world from the veil that maybe the DOC is actually not fulfilling that part and they're actually kind of manipulating people. You know, that the whole mm -hmm. idea of, you know, conspiracy and government, you know, uh, yeah. it's kind of a deep state doing whatever. So there's that gives me that impression that some of that is going on here. But when this person, whoever he is, shifts appearance from looking like union to looking like George Washington. He says, come now, director, this is no place for lies, right? It goes back yeah. to that, that famous line, father, I cannot tell a lie. So you, you wonder how much of, you know, union may have been involved in some sort of conspiracy. And, and that's sort of the beginning of thinking uh, that there's something big to unravel. And, uh, and Dunes, right after he left the DOC, he went and met with a friend um, and was kind of talking it out. Like, why was she killed? Like what's going on? There's hints that maybe they had a, a child. There's a there's a picture of a young boy. Maybe that was why they divorced, which is which is not uncommon. Um, I can only imagine the the pain of losing a child as a parent myself, and I could totally see that. You know, if how can you look at your child? Like when I look at my daughter, I, I see so much of my wife in her, right? And if and and sort of vice versa, and so. I'm, I can only imagine if I lost my daughter, how painful it would be. Every time I would look at my wife, I would think of my daughter and I would think of the loss. So I totally understand when um, marriages can't withstand the loss of a, a child. So you wonder because it, we don't know Kendra's perspective, but certainly from the perspective of Dunes, he seemed to love his wife very much and, and mm -hmm. you know, really want to solve this, this mystery. And so based on what he finds there and he actually plants a bug on his friend and, and gets some clues on this 1518 uh, conspiracy or group and he goes uh, and looks for them and, and finds a group of them and uh, they apparently kill him. <laughs> he talks, Dunes talks about 
um, being fooled again, right? Like that feeling he had at that moment of, in the Red War when, uh, like I was saying earlier, that he was sort of happy, even though the, a lot of people were happy and couldn't say so because it was an outward enemy instead of infighting within our own country and, and between ourselves. Yeah. And that feeling he had of feeling good about it and being a part of something bigger than himself. And then how that feeling morphed into this feeling of complete despair <laughs> when those weapons turned around and came back on him. And he, as he confronts this 1518 uh, mob here, he says, you know, I, that sense that everything I believed was wrong. I'm feeling that again when I am, you know, I'm like trying to find out what happened to my ex-wife, hoping I'm getting close to answers. And then he's confronted and he thinks, oh, here's that feeling again, that everything I thought is actually wrong. Last time I survived it, I didn't die. This time I did. And, and they shoot him and he's laying there dead. So what is that? Is that a mass delusion? Does Dunes just think he was shot? Is there <laughs> some sort of resurrection technology? Is he just wounded and not dead? I mean, that's all That's all part of the, the cliffhanger ending. But it threw me for a loop. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't expecting that that ending but and again maybe this is part of why i'm feeling like that man this is one this one's a real bummer it starts with this idea of of the u.s being you know completely getting their butts kicked in in a war and ends with our protagonist being killed yeah it's a bummer of an issue right well i, I think i think maybe reflecting back on it i think the first issue had more of a quant it, it it had a crime raw feel to it that maybe, yeah. you know, I, I was, I had sort of visions and, and sort of ideas of Ed Brubaker uh, and, uh, you know, Phillips uh, collaborations. And, and this one, cr this second issue drowned, drowned us more and pulled us more into a, a, a political world, a quasi political high tech yeah. world that is, that is disturbingly similar to our own. And I think that probably accounts for, how some feeling of discomfort reading this issue, but again, not in a, not in a bad way, but in a way that forces us to sort of take a hard look at ourselves, at our world and the world in which the veil and the shared veils take place within the context of this story. So, I mean, it's, it's disturbing in my view. I think that for all the right reasons, because it's, you know, this is provoking. This is this, I think, I think Snyder wants to make the reader a little uncomfortable here. This should bother us a little bit. This should, the more we read about this world, if I think we would all be a little bit strange if we didn't feel a little bit uncomfortable reading it. And yeah, you know, you know, what's funny is that I think we have demons is, is supposed to be the horror book right <laughs> yeah. this is to me this is way more scary than we have to <laughs> exactly potentially yeah and you know you mentioned uh when he when he it alludes to the fact that they may have lost a son that dunez and uh his uh his wife kendra may have lost a son you know you got to wonder uh that you know if 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 i lost if i lost a child if i lost my daughter i don't know if i'd want to escape this world either because this is the world that she lives in maybe i wouldn't want to escape into a fantasy world either you know because on the one hand you might think well i want to escape this world because i'm all depressed i lost a child on the other hand maybe dunez doesn't want to do that because he doesn't want to leave a world where his offspring were in so you don't know how the impact that loss and grief may have on on somebody like that, especially if you lose a child, if that's what happens. So, you know, it's interesting to, to, to question. And, and, and I like, 
I just like the character work here. And the beautiful thing is, is that all that character work, none of that was said. That was all done through Francis Manipal's art. It's yeah. it's what's in the background. It's That's the beauty of it. it. It requires no narration, no writing. All of that came through in the art. And that's the beauty of it. And that's why this is just a really a very effective collaboration between Snyder and Manipal. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we talked a lot about the first issue when we reviewed it about that scene in, in uh, Dune's office, how it, it really evoked that crime noir, you know, detective pulpy story with the damsel in distress showing up at the tech detective office. And there's a couple of um, moments like that in, in here. I'll talk about it in a second, but I wanted to, before I forget, touch on something you just said there about Dunes wanting to live in our world because that's the world that his son may have lived in. I think you might be onto something there. And I think knowing what we know of Dunes, knowing what we know of the story the tone and the feel that Manipal and Snyder are going for. I could very much see that, that part of the reason that Dunes always has his setting on clear is for exactly that reason, not to put a, a positive spin on it, maybe because he feels responsible for his son's death, if that's what actually happened. So when that guilt leads to punishment, I don't deserve to look at the world through rose colored glasses. Right. You know, I don't deserve to see the world through a veil because I did something wrong. Maybe I w he wasn't there when his son died and, and, you know, he feels responsible in some way, like he could have saved him. Yeah. So he's punishing himself. And it also leads me to wonder about, we see him, he puts on a new helmet. His helmet last time got, just got damaged. He, he puts on a new helmet when he, before he does that, he puts his handprints on there and you see the gloves he's wearing that there's a little sort of circle in the middle. So when he puts his handprint on his helmet, it, it there's a little circle in the middle of the palm, which actually looks like an eye. But why, why is like, what's the significance of, of that? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to see like that sort of typically see no evil, you know, you cover your eyes. Yeah. Uh, so he's got his hands over his eyes. Like, what is the significance of that? So that's, that's kind of interesting. Uh, and again, great, you know, great visual design, whether, you know, Snyder came up with that or, or, uh, or Francis, or they came up with it together. The other thing that I love, and maybe this is my own personal bias, having gone to college in the San Francisco Bay Area, the DLC is on Alcatraz Island, which is like this built up sort of thing. <laughs> and you see the Golden Gate Bridge, which is the bridge that supposedly Kendra McHale jumped off of to commit suicide. You see it in the background of, the, of that. And, you know, just this idea of, uh, of San Francisco, of the Bay Area as the background for the story. Um, I just like that. Again, I, it's a personal connection for me yeah. having uh, lived there for, for years. And, um, but beyond that, the, uh, the other moment, well, we talked about another one, which was the scene in the, in the park with this sort of clone of, of union, you know, whoever it was, that was wearing some sort of disguise, to make him look like morphing into George Washington. That was a fantastic moment. Uh, and then the other moment that I thought, that Francis did incredibly well was the sequence when, when Dunes does get this hint of where the 1518 mob is and he heads out and it's kind of a landfill. And in the future, basically they're putting trash in hollow trees uh, from what we're understanding. But what I love about the sequence as Dunes heads out on his motorcycle to the sequence, if you look at the way the panels are framed, it's, it's sort of wide open at first. We get this shot of, uh, of Dunes heading toward this, this forest, the arbor is what they call it. You know, arbor meaning, you know, tree and nature and whatnot. 
and it's, it's very much open road with him on his motorcycle. But then as it progresses, as he gets to the Arbor, as he starts tracking down and, and finding where these people are, the panel, like the way he lays them out, it gets more and more claustrophobic as, you know, looking back on it now, we know Dunes is sort of walking to his death. If, if we're to believe the last panel, you know, he's walking down the spiral staircase and that, you know, concept of, of a spiral staircase, it's close, it's closing in on itself, you know, and then he's all of a sudden he finds himself surrounded by this 15, 18. It just, that feeling of claustrophobia, it, it the way that Manipul built it out uh, visually for the visual storytelling, the, the sequential story, uh, it went along with both the dialogue, the scripting that, um, that Snyder was putting in there, as well as the beat of the story, right? Like Dunes is walking to his death. Uh, and the narration leads us down that path, but the visual as well, it closed. It's like, he's not realizing it, but things are closing in on him, you know? And I thought that that was done that for me, that's my favorite visual part of the story because it it's a perfect example of the brilliance of uh, of what an artist can bring to the story to make it all work together i mean you could make an argument that you could remove a lot of the dialogue that that snyder put in these last couple of pages um i mean you'd lose a little context because he's he is bringing in you know memories of the past his feeling during the red war and how that compares to the feeling now when he's trying to solve his ex-wife's murder. Um, so you'd lose a little bit of that context, but yeah. it's, it sort of shows exactly that there isn't, there isn't a dialogue or scripting or anything needed here from, from Snyder because the, what dialogue is there is harkening back to the past. Yeah. Scott doesn't have to put any dialogue or any scripting in these pages to describe in any way what, is actually happening for dunes yeah francis manipul does all the heavy lifting all the feeling the sense of dread claustrophobia that's all done despite the fact that scott's actually talking about other things you know what i mean yeah and like scott's added and his dialogue is additive it doesn't take away from the art it actually adds right. something to it but you know like i said individually you didn't need the dialogue here Manipal did a fantastic job, but the fact that Snyder did add dialogue, normally sometimes that takes away, you know, that's, it's not always additive dialogue. Sometimes it's, it has a negative effect, but it's, the, like I say, it's a good collaboration here. It really is. Yeah. Cause again, it's instead of Scott telling us things that we don't need to know because we can see them, he's pulling from Dune's past to kind of juxtapose what's happening uh, or, or draw similarities. Maybe it might be a better way to put it draw similarities between these bombs coming, this idea of weapons coming back, this idea of choices that we've made, you know, as a, as a country coming back on us, mm -hmm. the choice that dunes, the choices dunes make maybe are coming back on him by him choosing to go down this path alone. And it ends up coming back on him and, and, you know, he's eventually shot. So yeah, fantastic. Fant I can't say enough good things about it as, as, disturbing as it is uh or as uncomfortable as it is but you know to rocky's point earlier i, th I think that's a i think that's got to be exactly what the point was of this of this issue you know from mm -hmm. from uh from francis and scott they want to make us uncomfortable well and not only that uncomfortable. what's really disturbing is i look at this gang this 1518 gang that ostensibly appears to have killed dunez at the end of this issue 
I got to wonder who, you know, they share a veil. I mean, you know, there's this shared veiling. Who controls the shared veil? Because if you can control what a massive amount of people see, who controls what all these 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 people in the mob that are sharing the same veil, the same fantasy, living the same illusion, who controls that? That's where the power lies. And so, you know, it's, the big question is who's who who's the big bad guy behind it all? Is this is it is it really is is it the DOC, the Department of Connectivity? Is it the government? Is it the is it China? Is it you know who? What really began the Red War? Is it related to that? It's there's all kinds of very interesting questions here. And and the thing is, this is we talked about Dunez losing potentially losing a child. So we got these deeply personal character moments, but. We could also, for all we know, next issue, we could we could delve into a larger political international espionage narrative for all we know. But yeah, we could also have some deep some deeply personal character moments. It could go either way. So I'm really captivated by this. I don't know where this story is gonna go, but I'm really captivated by it because really if you know, when you look at what the plot point is here, he's just investigating the death of his wife. And yet, when you think about it, oh my God, this could involve something that is quite epic and worldwide in scope. And that's, you know, that's very difficult to pull off, but Snyder and Manipal managed to do it. So, I mean, again, it's, I don't know how anybody could not be captivated by this. Yeah, again, so many questions to be to be asked. And one of the things I thought about when we see the 1518 gang, and it's like, it may not even be... Th- you know, when, at that moment of confrontation, Dunes is like, hold on, you know, I, I just want to, he, he just wants to talk to them, you know, not necessarily their enemy, but they don't want to hear it. And it's this idea that even, even now, in, in, at least in this country, you know, there, you have red versus blue or Democrat versus Republican or whatever. And really that's all the people at the highest level want is to keep us fighting amongst ourselves because then we won't turn on the 1% that has all the power, you know, mm-hmm. neither side actually believes the bull- the political rhetoric that they're espousing the whole idea of it is just keep everybody preoccupied in the you know the lower classes keep them preoccupied fighting amongst themselves in so their own can, veils in their own ve- their own yeah. echo chamber their own veil yeah exactly so we can just sit back and and keep getting rich you know we don't actually care what they're fighting about as long as their focus is on each other they won't realize that we're over here you know living the good life as fat cats taking advantage. So <laughs> yes. And especially, you know, that could very well be magnified in this, this world um, of clear where things are sort of falling apart. I mean, it certainly doesn't look like this 1518 mob. I mean, they're, they're living in a, in a garbage dump, right? Yeah. I mean, they don't exactly, they're not in the lap of luxury here. So, but they don't uh, yeah, know I mean, that if they're in the veil, right? That's the thing is you can live anywhere. If you're, if you're living in illusion under a veil, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's still going to smell bad, I would think. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know the effect. Doesn't the veil affect on what you smell too? It doesn't affect all your senses? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't good, know. It's a good It's a good question. How How much is it just the uh, skin and the way you see the world? And how much is it like uh, like Star Trek holodeck, right? Where you yeah. can actually feel and whatever. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's clear number two. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. It, it's again, it's, it's hard to say. I, I, I talked about it when we talked about, we have demons where whenever I try to choose my, my favorite best jacket title, it's whatever, it's whichever one I read last. Uh, Cause I think they're all fantastic. And uh, I totally agree with what Rocky was saying about Francis's work here. It's, just, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's so good. And I, I think a lot of that, I'll give a lot of cr- uh, credit to Francis for realizing this world uh, fully 
with the fact that not only is he doing the line work, he's doing the colors. I think that really helps to set the tone and it gets across that emotion, you know, like that feeling of cross claustrophobia, not to say a brilliant color artist working with Francis couldn't have done the same thing and, and brought that incending, uh, impending sense of doom or, or claustrophobia. But I think this is, we're getting the most closely to what Francis has seen in his head when he's drawing the story, when he's doing the colors himself. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to sell him short and talk about what great design work and storytelling he's doing and not credit him for the great job he's doing on colors as well. I mean, the whole visual from the line work to the textures, to the backgrounds, to the color work, it's all, it's all done. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, this is, this was a great issue. Uh, highly recommend it. Um, don't forget you can subscribe to Comixology Unlimited and you can get all the Comixology un uh, originals as well as the 40,000 plus library of books. And uh, it's it's the most uh, cost-efficient way to be able to check all these out as opposed to paying $4.99 for each individual issue, which you can do if that's your choice. Uh, or if you have Amazon Prime, you have access to all of the, uh, the Comixology originals as well through your Prime account. But I don't think you get guided view because Rocky's talked about before how great guided view is because it sort of prevents you from seeing the whole double page spread. So you, you're, you could, the surprises come even more impactfully. I try, I have the comiXology app on my iPad and I, I looked for guided view, but it, it wasn't there. So I think because I, I, when I tried to go through the comiXology app, I, I didn't have access to these cause I don't have comiXology unlimited. So I ended up having to go through the, Amazon Kindle reader. And I don't think that supports the guided view. So I'm pro I probably, and I've been meaning to, I probably just need to bite the bullet and get the subscription. Cause I think it's only like six bucks a month. So well worth it. So I can get the, the guided view. Um, so I tried, I tried Rocky. I told you I tried, I tried to do the guided view. I wanted to well, see the, the difference. Well, the guided view, I mean, I, I, I'll give you a little bit of an example here, but I mean, this is how it, this is how it plays out as you're reading it. It goes from panel to panel. And you can't cheat, and it 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 just it moves, and it just shows you panel to panel. So, and it you know it 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 focuses. It even cuts off other word balloons, and it, it tells you even if you're not sure. Because I know some people. I, my wife sometimes complains she doesn't know how to read comics because she doesn't know which panels to go to first. And I always poke fun at her a little bit, but she gets frustrated with some comics. But with the guided view, it tell it just really spoons feeds you, and and you, and you get the close ups, and and it blows up on the screen. And when you have a big screen uh, like I do, I mean, it's just it's really pays dividends. And you see the 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 you know when he opens up a letter. You can see all the things that he's looking at in detail and you, and again, you get a more of a movie like feel to it. And it just sort of, it, it takes you along and you can go at your own pace and it just, it feels really good that way. And, uh, it just, it reads better in my mind and it's just a much more satisfying experience. And in fact, when I go downstairs sometimes on in my, my big screen TV, if I put it on my big screen on a, you know, I have a 42 inch screen, which is small by today's standards. Cause everyone seems to have a hundred inch TV TV, <laughs> just, but anyways, I find it really enjoyable. And I would, again, the guided view, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah. And I, I can tell just by the icons that are on the bottom of your screen there. If anybody's watching us on YouTube, yeah, that's yeah. definitely the comiXology app. So sure. Again, yeah. it's, it's yeah, the guided views I think is unique to that, uh, to that app, at least for now. And I, I know that there was some just some news that came out today, actually. So, you know, 
Comixology got bought by Amazon a couple of years ago, and they were supposed to be integrating uh, everything more into one sort of seamless experience between Amazon and Comixology. But that's all been delayed now until next year. So I wonder if at some point, because everybody was supposed to get a new Comixology app, um, just kind of one in, more integrated with Amazon, I think. So probably a way for them to put ads where you can click on something and order it directly. Here's a here's a can of Coke, and you can order Coke right here by clicking in the comic. So <laughs> wouldn't surprise me, but but yeah, it looks like I'll need to uh, to subscribe, which I I will do. That's my my promise to all you uh, listeners and D Rocky. I will subscribe to Comicsology Unlimited before <laughs> because I what I I really want to experience the second issue of Night of the Ghoul in that guided view because mm. that's that series almost feels like jump scares waiting to happen. So I, yeah. I definitely want to experience that panel to panel. But absolutely, uh, all right. As we're uh, winding up here, Rocky, any last thoughts on Clear Number Two? No, I'm just uh, just another compliment. Uh, it's it's nice to be. I'm continuously happy with Snyder's. F, you know, uh, Scott Tober. You know, it was October. Scott Tober yeah. started off three great series by Scott Snyder, collaborating with different artists. And boy, man, it's uh, it just continues to uh, entertain me. So kudos kudos to Snyder and and uh, Manipal and uh, I'm drawing a or uh, Greg Capullo, Greg Capullo and Francis Francavella. Uh, I mean, just great collaborations. And, you know, I, I encourage people to go to Comixology and like you said, you know, subscribe monthly uh, because it's well worth it. As you say, just, just to read these comics alone, because you get, you got all that, you got all that just for a low price of whatever it is, five or six ninety nine a month. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited for the books that are coming. So yeah. uh, I think I, I, we, I mentioned when we recorded the last one, they were hoping to have Scott on soon. I actually had a conversation with him just the other night. So the same day this is coming out, there will also be um, an interview with Scott. We talked for almost two hours about these books uh, in particular and also about what's to come. Uh, we had to cut it a, a little bit short, but uh, man, just hearing him talk, the, the excitement um, about the upcoming books, you know, Canary with Dan Pinochian, um that's one I'm really looking forward to the barnstormer story with, with Tulo Tay, which that art looks right. just absolutely right. fantastic. She's a great book artist. Of, Tulo Tay. Yeah. 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 Book of evil with jock, which is sort of an illustrated prose piece, which is fascinating concept. Uh, we're in the world when, by the time everybody's an adult, like 98% of people are psychopaths, which is really <laughs> terrifying. So, but yeah, there's a ton of others. Uh, um, so go listen to that interview with Scott. Or, uh, or watch it on our YouTube channel, uh, on the Comic Source YouTube channel. Um, and yeah, we're hoping to, to have Scott on uh, on, a, on a regular basis going forward as these books start to come out. And I'm really curious to see the impact when they hit print, because I know a lot of people still are a little bit resistant to digital. Um, so from what Scott told me, uh, We Have Demons is supposed to come out in March. And then this book, Clear, will see print for the first time in April. And then... Uh, Night of the Ghoul in May and, and all that. So yeah, go. He, all the details are there. Go check out the interview. It was, it was fantastic to catch up uh, with Scott. It had been a while since we had him on the show. And uh, and yeah, check out these books. Like Rocky was saying, uh, it's a great value at, at $5.99 or $6.99, whatever it is. Basically, for the price of one book, you can get all the Comixology originals, not just the best jacket stuff, but the other books. Uh, Chip Zdarsky has a new vampire book out where vampire decides to become a superhero. He's out at night anyway. Why not? 
Um, and, and, and that's an addition to all the, the, you know, 40,000 plus books in the library that are from, you know, traditional publishers, Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, all those. So go check it out. Uh, don't forget, if you're listening to us on the audio only podcast, head over to uh, YouTube and give Rocky's uh, channel a subscription. It's comic space, boom, exclamation point. Like this video, ring the notification bell so you know when new content's coming out. Conversely, if you're joining us on the Comic Boom channel and you want to be sure you don't miss any of the, the content we put out on the Comic Source podcast, just go to your favorite podcasting app uh, or favorite podcasting platform on your smart device and do a search for the Comic Source and give us uh, a subscribe. So uh, we appreciate the support. And for you guys joining us, as always, hope you enjoyed Clear as much as we did. And we'll talk to you next time. See you later. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Do a search for the comic source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.